Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? All right, still driving. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear it. This episode, of course, is brought to you by Rock Auto. As all things Locked On are brought to you by Rock Auto, and we'll talk about them in just a bit. Jimmy, there is certainly a lot to discuss, a lot to digest, a lot to try and wrap your brain around out there right now. And while it isn't all directly related to Alabama, um, it is certainly at worst indirectly related to Alabama. Uh, First of all, I think we can talk about the SEC has decided to go to a 10-game conference schedule. Um, We were going to cut a podcast Friday, and I decided against it because I thought any moment now they're going to come out with the SEC schedule and who all Alabama is going to be playing. So I didn't want to be late to the party with that. Um, And it turns out that didn't happen. The PAC 12 came out with theirs. And what's interesting about theirs, number one, is that they, uh, that they came out with it. They're going to do all conference. And number two, that uh, some of their most traditional rivalries are week one and like USC, UCLA week one. And the thing that's kind of cool about that, I get it because if you have uh, a stoppage in play, then at least you can say, you know, we gave it our best shot with our best games to go to go forward. That's right. And also, I think a big issue is the legitimacy of a season. For instance, I mean, you schedule 10, but you assume there might be some cancellations. So how do you still cobble together a champion? How do you still cobble together maybe a championship game and the only way to legitimize that I think is when you're split into divisions you need to play all the divisional games first because to determine the winner of the SEC West it doesn't really help you that Alabama beat Tennessee and Auburn beat Georgia that doesn't help you what matters is did Alabama beat Auburn so there's a lot of logic and playing your divisional games first, not necessarily the rivalry games, although I see some logic in that too for the reason you stated. But if you are going to if you're going to determine who's going to win the SEC West, all the SEC West teams need to play each other. I agree with that. And what makes that interesting is you could literally have the Iron Bowl week one. And, um, again, using that logic, uh, so you'd have your, you'd have six games, Auburn, uh, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Mississippi, Texas A&M, and LSU, uh, all the first six games. And then your last four games would be Georgia, Tennessee, and then the, whoever the other two teams that you pick up are. And that's the other interesting aspect of this. Who would Alabama's other two teams be? Because there's a lot of um, scuttlebutt out there that it would be just the two teams that are up next on your rotation. The problem with that is it does kind of screw up the rotation because what are you going to do next year? Are you going to say, oh, okay, Alabama goes to Florida two years in a row um, and Vandy comes to Alabama two years in a row? That's not going to work. I think that uh, they're just going to do it as equitably as possible. And here's where I think the SEC missed a golden opportunity. I think they could have said, okay, for this one-off year, this one strange pandemic-laden year that we're going to just do no division and we're going to try and make the schedules as equitable as possible. The, the, you're never going to make them equal because 
you can't make Alabama's schedule equal to Vanderbilt's because Vanderbilt can't play Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt is going to have to play a bunch of big boys. Alabama has to play a bunch of big boys, but they can't play Alabama either. So, um, you know, there's going to be some disparity for sure, but I think you try to make it as fair as you can and doing this, you know, this situation where you just say the next two in line. Well, I'll tell you, for Alabama's sake, I'm not – I'm fine with it. At Florida and Vandy at home seems kind of like a wash to me. I'm fine with that. I'm not really worried about playing at Florida. But the team that gets screwed is Florida. They have to play at A&M and Alabama at home while Georgia, the other favorite in the East, gets Arkansas and Mississippi State. If I were Florida, I would pitch a golden fit. Right, I, and I think they've ruled out, Luke. I mean, the, the way I look at it, I, I think they've ruled out the idea that they're going to do the rotational thing. I think if they were going to do the rotational thing, it already would have been done, and that's just what they would have done day one. But for all the problems you just cited and for other reasons, I think they just ruled out the idea that it's going to be the rotation of, for exactly the, those reasons. Here's one thing that I do know, and when I say I know, I'm reading between the lines, but Pete, Pete – Peter Burns, who is an excellent Twitter follow, as we all know, you know, one of the, the main studio hosts on SEC Network. Peter Burns hinted in a tweet, uh, but it was in response to a question, but he hinted that the SEC Network was going to air a schedule reveal this week that when we'll all find out at the same time because there'll be a reveal show on SEC Network that's just like what the NFL does when the NFL releases its schedule Back in, uh, back in April, the NFL will release its schedule. They do it on NFL Network as part of a big show that gets really good ratings because everybody's interested in who you're going to play. Uh, but Peter Burns sort of hinted that, uh, that there's plans to, to have a schedule reveal show on SEC Network. Secondly, and I'm stealing this idea from Brett Hudson, uh, beat writer for Tuscaloosa News. Brett Hudson this morning uh, suggested something that, that, that makes perfect sense to me in terms of getting the SEC off the hook in terms of making decisions that might not be popular. The SEC, what they suggested, is, or what Brett Hudson suggested the SEC do is not only do the schedule reveal show on SEC Network, but let's just draw the names out of a hat. Let's literally do a lottery because that way no one could complain to the SEC that they made decisions that screwed this team or screwed that team. Let's just leave it up to luck. And if Alabama draws Missouri and Vandy, then that's who Alabama draws. But it, it would be fascinating television. It would give the fans something to watch. It would be a, uh, a ratings bonanza for SEC Network. So I, I'm on board with that idea uh, if it happens. But my, my feeling is that won't happen. No, I don't think that's the way they'll go. But uh, because I, my other idea was, okay, I, I can go with the lottery idea. And I think everybody could be on board with that. But I, with the caveat that, okay, you have to – there are three rivalries for every team that must stay intact. Mississippi, Mississippi State, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Florida, um, Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, Tennessee, probably Alabama, LSU, and Auburn, LSU. Um, oh, I don't know if it would be Auburn, LSU. Maybe it would be LSU in Florida. I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe just two. But I think that um, that would certainly be one way to handle that. Uh, well, what I meant, well, what, what I meant for the lottery what, wasn't the whole schedule. I just mean these two opponents that that for. Oh, okay, for, I got you. I, I just mean for adding the two opponents. So Alabama's ah. five potential opponents: Florida, South Carolina, Missouri, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. You, you know, th those. Are, 
Alabama would get two of those five and some sort of a, a lottery or a ping pong ball drawing. You know, uh, that's what I mean. Not, not the entire schedule, of course. Well, speaking of lottery, you'll feel like you hit the lottery if you go to rockauto.com with their incredibly low prices. You'll feel like, hey, I'm just swimming in cash over here by picking up parts on my own from rockauto.com, R-O-C-K-A-U-T-O.com. Go check them out. Incredible selection. Really just a vast uh, collection of anything you need for any car and all of it at great, great prices. And we need for you to tell them when you go there that you heard about them from the Locked On Network. We would certainly appreciate that. But please do go check out Rock Auto, R-O-C-K-A-U-T-O dot com. All the parts your car will ever need. Jimmy, um, the other, uh, you, you mentioned the lottery. And one thing that uh, I thought about was, you know, it feels like football college football, especially in the late 90s, maybe with the beginnings of the BCS, um, early 2000s, it hit the lottery. Like all of a sudden, everybody realized, oh, my God, um, college football is a cash cow. It's unbelievable. But just like when a relative hits the lottery, just like when a relative hits the lottery, and, you know, all the other relatives come sneaking in and all of a sudden, you know, you think you've got it made. You won $200 million. And then all of a sudden, here comes the government wanting their piece. Here comes uh, a long lost relative who says, hey, I, you know, can you h- hook me up? Here comes your mom saying, you know, I, I really took care of you and breastfed you. Could you give me a couple of hundred dollars? You know, here comes everybody from every angle trying to take everything you have. And it feels like to me that's what's happening with college football because you look at the Pac-12. The Pac-12, the players or at least some group of players have gotten together and made some kind of ransom note of demands that are absolutely laughable, basically wanting to split the any profits 50-50, which is ridiculous, and a, a laundry list of other just laughable demands and otherwise they say they're not going to play. Meanwhile, football has been attacked from anybody regarding the uh, CTE issues or other health issues involving football, um, the, the, the likeness issues. Um, man, it just seems like football's getting attacked at all angles because after they won the lottery, everybody comes after you once you're on top of the mountain. And I'm scared that we are in the middle of the beginning of maybe a slight end to football. Am I overreacting? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, football, I, I don't think college football is going anywhere, but you make a lot of good points. There, There's change in the air. There's going to be some sea changes coming. Uh, whether they're good for the sport or bad for the sport, we will see. Clearly, there is yet again another push to, to pay the players without ever stopping to realize that as a result of the previous pushes, they are getting paid. No one ever discusses that. It never comes up. Notice in any of these discussions, it never comes up. They get paid now. No one talks about it, but they do. They get checks, cash money every single month. It's called the cost of attendance. It's not a lot of money. No one's getting rich. But every single player at every single university 
gets a check for cash every month in some amount that allows them spending money. Uh, it's different from school to school. Again, no one's getting rich. And of course they want more. And see, that's where, where uh, of the many reasons I get upset about it. It's not that they want to get paid. They want more. It's not that they're not getting this or that. They need more money. And, and while I understand that, we all want more money. We all want to go to the boss on Monday and get a raise. Everybody wants that. Everybody wants more. But I also think there's a stark unappreciation for what they're getting in terms of, I mean, let, let's think about this in the, in the macro sense. While I think most 18-year-olds would choose 40000 in cash over a college scholarship, what would the 60-year-old version of themselves choose? You know, 18-year-olds shouldn't be making that choice. They're almost all going to choose $40,000. Even the uh, even kids that grew up wealthy that have 4.0 grade point averages and a test score that can get them into Harvard, they're going to choose $40,000 over a college scholarship. But I think we all know as adults that a college scholarship is worth way more than $40,000. And we need to we need to keep that into account. But I think what these schools want, what these kids ultimately want, are what these adults who are pushing them to make these demands, what they want is their college scholarship and a salary. I'm not talking about this cash they're getting every month. They want a real salary, whether it's 30000 40000 60000 80000 on top of what they're already getting with their scholarship. And Here's, here's just a simple fact. I mean, this is a fact. Schools cannot afford to do that. Alabama can't afford to do that. If Alabama can't afford to do it, how in the hell is South Alabama and UAB and Troy going to do it when Alabama and Auburn can't afford that? So I just think that, as usual, we need to be care- careful that we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And I really don't know what that means, but doesn't that always sound awful when you, when you say that out loud? But I, I, we, we need to be really careful about what these demands are, because if you make unrealistic demands that just mean the end of the sport, what did anyone accomplish? Nothing. Well, and the other side of that is, as one of our uh, friends points out, that, it, and I've said profit, they want 50% of profits. No, they want 50% of the revenue, which is a little right. bit different. And one of our other friends said, um, okay, that's fine. But what the college football players don't understand is they would essentially be killing every single other sport on every campus <laughs> because football funds everything for the most part. Occasionally some basketball schools uh, pop up, but for the most part, football runs the show. Um, and look, in the other side of this is I was listening to, I think it was Peter Burns this morning that said, you know, he's sort of sick of that same argument about players and payments and whatever. I'd love to figure out something where it could be that you could get paid for your likeness. The problem I see with that is eventually a kid getting a big head. And now with all the transfer stuff, I think people would transfer more often and they would use it as uh, leverage to try and get somebody to transfer. Hey, if you leave Alabama instead of developing in Alabama, <clears throat> you can come to South Alabama and we've got a car dealership down here that'll give you 5,000 a month. Whereas Alabama, you've got, a, uh, you know, you're not getting any kind of incentive. I just hate that the, the whole thought of anything like that. But um, what he said was, look, yes, okay, the scholarship is worth $40,000, $50,000, whatever you want to call it. 
But then your room and board is all paid for. Then your uh, your books are paid for. Then your your you will never unless you make it in the pros or you are a doctor yourself, you'll never get better medical treatment than you're going to get on a college campus right now. You're going to get the best tutors. You're not going to get some crap ass tutor. And in the case of Missouri, you'll get a tutor that'll do the damn work for you. So, I mean, you get you get the best of the best of everything. And not only that, it's also all this the social uh, rewards you reap. You get to uh, make connections with people that will remember you forever. I mean, the 92 Alabama National Championship game against Miami was on last night. And all of a sudden, it seemed like Martin Houston was trending again. Martin Houston, you know, for all of his blocks on Rohan Davy in that game, he will always be remembered. He'll never have to buy a beer again if he doesn't want to. George T., I interviewed him the other day. He is an absolute icon everywhere he goes. His name was blowing up on Twitter last night because of that game. Um, it's, you know, you make so many connections. And you can essentially have any woman you want on campus. I mean, that's also a positive. Let's not forget it. Oh, the, you know, it, for, for all the bad that college football uh, provides, uh, the good outweighs it, you know, you know, 90%. I mean, there's and, – and here's – gosh, I could talk about this all day, really. But here's another thing. I, I think all this push to pay players, they talk about how unfair the sport is to Tua and Trevor Lawrence because they're nationally famous, they win championships, they produce all this revenue for their school, uh, all this free advertising that the school gets because Tua and Trevor Lawrence are household names. They're just such a tiny, tiny percentage of the athletes that benefit from from, from intercollegiate sports. There's countless anonymous football players that are on the team that the public will never know to say nothing of the baseball and the gymnastics and the tennis and the golf and all these non-revenue producing sports, they benefit from all of it. We can't change the rules for that benefit everyone because Tua, Trevor, and Chuba Hubbard get sort of a raw deal. There's, you know, there's 30 guys that get a raw deal. So let's take away this great benefit that benefits literally hundreds and thousands of athletes just because up at the very top, you're like, well, I'm not sure this is fair. Another thing that's being addressed, though, in in regard specifically to that problem is the name, image, and likeness issue. Okay, that, that that's on the way. That's coming. Now the Tuas and the Trevors and the Chuba Hubbards and the Panay Sewells, the real stars of college football, they will be able – to trade off their name, image, and likeness and profit, and those guys are going to make real money. But see, here we are. We haven't even passed name, image, and likeness yet, and here they are also demanding a salary. It's no different than baseball and football and basketball at the professional level, and I'm not begrudging them. They're in a union. They have jobs. Their health is at risk. They have a limited lifespan of earning their money. I don't begrudge them for asking for as much as possible, but the college kids are already doing the same thing. We already started giving them cash about three years ago, which in likeness. Now they get that. Now, before they even get that, they're on to no, no, no. We need salaries. We need, we need a portion of that revenue. And I'm like, we, you know, it's all, all it's going to do is drive these schools because that's what they are. They're schools. 
these schools will just say, you know, screw it. We don't have to. We don't have to field sports teams. We have to educate our students, but we don't have to field our sports teams if it's going to cost us that much money. Uh, and, and again, what I would urge everyone to understand is the difference between a revenue producing business and a profitable business because college sports is revenue producing. It is not built to make a profit. Those are all very good points. And when we come back, we're going to talk uh, a little bit of recruiting and maybe a little bit more about the SEC schedule. So just to finish up on the SEC schedule stuff, um, in the end, who do you think Alabama gets, Jimmy? I mean, I, I know it's probably an impossible right. task to ask you to come up with something. I'm just right. curious, do you have an opinion? I have an opinion, but, again, it's a guess because no, no one knows. Uh, and, and the irony to this thing is, Luke, as much as I said, they're not going to do rotational opponents because it screws up the future scheduling. And, and, and I believe that's true. I just think it's going to work out that that will exactly be who Alabama's opponents are. And that's, uh, I'm, I'm just guessing that we'll end up with Florida and Vanderbilt. <clears throat> Reason being, uh, it just makes sense that you add a tough team and a team that's not quite as tough. And, you know, Alabama's the biggest boy on the block. I know LSU's the defending national champs, but they already play Florida. Um, you know, that they might get, you know, Georgia or someone, someone like that added. Uh, but I, I think the biggest program out there that you can add to Alabama this season is Florida. And if you give Alabama the toughest opponent, then it also makes some sense to give Alabama also the perceived weakest of the five options. So I think it will end up being Florida and Vanderbilt. Now, how, how it gets there, I don't know. Is that inside scoop? Of course not. It's a wild guess. But uh, it just makes some sense to me that, uh, you know, that, that, that you add a big boy and in, in, in the lesser opponent. So I would guess Florida and Vanderbilt. What, what's, what's your guess? You know, I'm, I'm leaning more towards something like a Kentucky and a South Carolina. Because I think you go with a couple of the middle of the pack or maybe a Kentucky and a Missouri. I mean, Alabama hadn't been to Missouri in a while. Maybe you send Alabama to Missouri and, and – um, I'm not sure. I can't remember exactly. I know Kentucky came to Tuscaloosa not too terribly long ago, but I think you, you're sort of, again, for this one off for this one year, I think you say, okay, we're going to forget the rotation, forget everything. We're just going to try and make it as right as rain. And so Alabama's already playing Georgia. Who's the perceived favorite. They're already playing Tennessee. Who's the perceived third place SEC East team. And so I think you say, okay, you know, we could do Florida and Vandy, but that seemed, then all of a sudden you're playing the top three teams from the East. Um, that seems a little bit harsh. Uh, although I got to say, I'm not super worried about playing Florida. I'm not trying to get out of playing Florida, especially this year. There'll be nobody there. The swamp is not the swamp when it's, when there's 10,000 people. That's right. If, you, if you're ever going to play at Florida, uh, which is a really difficult place to play, no matter if it's a great Florida team or just an average Florida team, you never want to be, uh, you never want to, want to be playing in the swamp, except this year when there'll be probably 20,000 fans or less. So if you're going to play a road game at Florida, let, let's do it now. Yeah, I'm with you. And again, that's why, I mean, part of me says, let's do it. Let's knock that out. Um, but I, 
the other side of it is I don't think they'll match Florida up with Alabama and Texas A&M. I think you'd have to say, okay, Florida, you get Alabama and Arkansas. Um, right. Or yeah, they wouldn't do that to Florida. I, 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 that wouldn't be fair. I don't think they would do – again, you, you got to some, – someone in the SEC office, if they're really going to do it by strength of schedule, has to decide, okay, who are the really good teams and who aren't. But you can't add two big-time opponents to someone's schedule. Uh, with, with the one exception of maybe Texas A&M, who, in my opinion, going into all this, when we had our normal eight-game schedule, Texas A&M had the weakest schedule of everyone in the SEC West. So maybe you can afford to give Texas A&M a couple of those uh, tough teams. However, you got to watch what you're doing to those tough teams, too. You can't make Georgia and Florida, you know, play play every single good, you know, West team. So. That, that, yeah, that's why these difficult decisions there's and, and when they make decisions about who plays who you are opening up yourself for a lot of criticism that's why i was saying i sort of like the idea of just drawing it out of a hat that way everyone's equal uh no favorites it's all blind luck and uh and no no one gets criticized for that yeah i'm that that could be the case and it would just you know again if you're gonna play somebody on the road this year uh this year is probably the year to do it and it's unfortunate that alabama actually has uh georgia and auburn um at home this year and uh just sort of sucks but on the same by the same token auburn's got texas a&m and lsu at home so i mean that their crowd won't be a factor either and I think the other thing you have to do with these schedules is come across with some kind of universal, okay, nobody can have more than 20% capacity or something like that, because that's that's going to be another fair way to handle this, because I know some states are going to handle it uh, differently than others, but the SEC needs to step in there and make something happen. Talking about recruiting for a second, uh, it looked very good for Jason Marshall not too terribly long ago, but all of a sudden all the crystal balls are rolling in for the Florida defensive back five-star to head to Miami, who is seemingly having a great year this year. That is uh, really surprising to me. I, I never thought Jason Marshall was a lock to go to Alabama, although, by the way, I did have a source telling me that uh, Jason Marshall was privately committed to Alabama. It's one of the many reasons I hate that term, private commitment. I think kids privately commit to, like, 15 places during recru- during their recruitment. But what surprises me is not that Jason Marshall is not going to sign with Alabama. That's not surprising. But him choosing Miami over the Florida Gators, that is really surprising. He has been priority number one at defensive back for the Gators all the way through, uh, has been considered by the recruiting industry a lean to Florida all along for him to just up and say, and he hasn't said yet to my knowledge, but if, but if he's all of a sudden going to be committing to Miami in the next couple of days, that's a big shock. And a huge win for Miami because, let's be honest, if Miami figures out how to keep every good South Florida prospect at home, they're a top 10 program year in and year out. That's how they did it in the 80s and 90s. Those were all homegrown Miami Hurricane teams. Their Miami dynasty was built on South Florida players. And uh, maybe Jason Marshall uh, might start help turning the tide for them down there. Uh, but that would be a big win for uh, – for Coach D- for Manny Diaz and that Miami staff. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And uh, there's a lot of rumors out there that they are actually 
much more in the hunt than people thought for Amarius Mims too, uh, which would be a big pickup for them and another huge blow to Georgia. I mean, hey, look, if they're not going to go to Alabama, I'm I'm fine if they don't go to Florida or Georgia, to be honest with you. So, I mean, it kind of works out for us. Yeah, yeah. If Amarius Mims is not at Alabama, and I don't expect him to be, honestly, I've never really felt good about that. Uh, and, and I still don't now. I, I would, I, But all along, I've said Amarius Mims to Georgia. If it's anywhere other than Georgia, it, it almost feels like a win for Alabama. That, that kid's really good. Um, all right, Jimmy. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Hopefully, when we come back, uh, we will have uh, the SEC scheduled to go over. I'm really anxious about this. Um, I do hate that we have to wait till September 26th to have any college football, but, uh, you know, who knows the big 12 says, I mean, Oklahoma moved the game up. Maybe we will have some college football at least, but I hate that we have to wait that long for the SEC, but you know, I'm kind of excited about this 10 game schedule uh, just being a one-off because this year hadn't even felt like a year. I just saw a bit by Jim Gaffigan on CBS morning news uh, this morning where he said, you know, is it already August? He said, it doesn't even feel like we had a July, June, or, or May, he said, it feels like an April just felt like an annex of March. He said, you know, we just sort of come around because this doesn't, nothing feels right. We've lost Wilford Brimley this year, uh, just recently. Uh, man, I mean, you know, everything's, everything's sucking in 2020. Hey, if we just have any college, I'm, I'm not big on change, and that's just because I like, what we do so much. I mean, I just enjoy all the traditions of college football. This year, all the traditions are flushed. There are no traditions in college football in 2020. So all I want is just something that resembles college football. And uh, sounds like, the you know, I'll give the, the, the leaders a lot of credit. Hey, look, college football may not happen. The virus could get worse. Things could get worse after after Labor Day, after schools are back and kids are on campus, things could get worse and we might not have college football. But I'll give the leaders this. It's been obvious this week. They're trying very hard. They, they really want this to happen for the kids and for the fans. And frankly, we all know why they're doing it. And that's money that pays for everything. It pays for the light bill. It pays for all of it. So we know why. But I do give them credit. They're trying very hard to make college football happen. Yeah, and we do have to give them some credit for that. Hey, you know, all you got to do is give it literally the old college try. Um, All right, Jimmy, roll tide, buddy. Roll tide.